Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. And welcome everyone to our latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. On this edition of our podcast, I'll be joined by Clay Thompson from the Golden State Warriors. I caught up with him as he was watching his Warriors teammate Draymond Green get his number retired at Michigan State. Clay's got a lot to talk about, not just his number being retired at Washington State, but also, remember, he played for Tony Bennett at Washington State. Tony Bennett, of course, winning the national championship last April for Virginia. Robbie Hummel from the Big Ten Network and ESPN. We're going to break down the Big Ten. Then Anthony Cowan from Maryland. Caught up with him right after the Terps. Knocked off Illinois at home on Saturday. They should not have won the game. But Cowan hit a deep three. He then came up with a steal. Then he hit a free throw. Big time stuff from, I think, a first-team All-American, Anthony Cowan. Junior will join me in my Cats ranks top ten. We're going to go over my ten surprising teams so far this season. And then at the end of the podcast, it is time for our March Chadness. Chad Acock from Turner Sports. little prediction time. Hey, batted 500 last week. I've had better weeks, had worse weeks. We'll see how I do this week. And let's get to our headlines now in March Madness 365. We'll start at number five. Cassius Winston, Miles Powell, <laughs> Anthony Edwards. Cole Anthony. A week ago, I had my top 10 player of the year candidates in my Cats ranks. I had Miles Powell, Seton Hall number one. I still think he could be number one and could win it. But the player of the year race is wide open. We are in mid-December, and it is wide open. I mean, Anthony Cowan, who you will hear from on this podcast, what if Maryland wins the Big Ten? What if they get to the Final Four? He's got a legit shot to not just win Big Ten Player of the Year, but also National Player of the Year. It's as wide open a race for Player of the Year as I've seen in quite some time, and I've covered this sport for 30 years. There's a lot of candidates, some obvious ones, some freshmen, some seniors. Cassius Winston still could win, and he was the preseason player of the year. But it's wide open. Let's get to headline number four. Mike Krzyzewski comes to Blacksburg, where they've lost the last three meetings, and gets a really nice road win to start ACC play 1-0 for the Blue Devils. Conference play is great for college basketball in December. I'm okay with it in November. ACC tried it to start the season to get the ACC network going. But I love it in December. But let's deal with something first. It's here to stay. You cannot get 20 league games in in January and February in the first week of March. There's just, there's just not enough days. You need December. Now, the Big Ten would argue the timing of their Big Ten games right after the ACC Big Ten Challenge, after a non-conference tournament after a Gavit game event and for Michigan State, even the champions. But students are still in session when they're having these games. 
Some of the coaches in the Big Ten, by the way, would love it to be over New Year's. Uh, I love it in early December because the students are still in session. You can get great games, great crowds. Uh, the games are meaningful. And what it also does is it allows you to reset. I think Wisconsin's a great example of this. They were struggling. They lost three in a row. Now suddenly here comes a Big Ten game. You're 0-0, zero and zero, and they knock off Indiana. They're up 30. End up winning by 20. So now they're feeling like, you know what? Our season's anew. ACC's doing it now. The Pac-12 will do it. The Big East will do it. It's just going to leave the SEC and the Big 12 um, and the American, if we want to include them. Everyone else of the majors are going to be playing December league games because they have to. There just aren't enough dates, especially as you get into December with final exams and the holidays. So I love it, though, but I like it the weekend we just had when the students are in session. Headline number three. Final score of the Crosstown Shootout, 73-66, and Xavier is king of the Queen City. In-state rivalries got underway in this past week. Utah, overtime win over BYU. Rhode Island, knocked off Providence. Xavier, took down Cincinnati. And Gonzaga beat Washington. I love these games. This is great for the sport. If you want to toss in Texas, Texas A&M, which they renewed, uh, Texas beat Texas A&M. I love that these games happen a little earlier. Obviously, the best one of these non-conference in-state games is Louisville, Kentucky. That'll happen later this month. Uh, I've been a part of watching New Mexico, New Mexico State. I've seen that get nasty. Um, That's another one out west. These are great games for the sport, for their fan bases. This week, we've got Iowa, Iowa State. You know, we always have Clemson, South Carolina. Um, The Iowa, Iowa State game can get very chippy. Creighton, Nebraska was last week as well, and Creighton just absolutely crushed Nebraska as they're going through a rebuild. These are great games for the sport. And first of all, these ones I just rattled off, uh, for Rhode Island, um, it could be a turning point for them because they weren't able to win some of their up games. For Utah, which has been a little all over the map, um, that's a big win for them, but also kind of a bad loss for BYU, not in terms of losing to a bad team, but they needed to keep some momentum going, uh, especially because it was the game they got Yoli Childs back for. So that was a little disappointing. Creighton, a little dominance in the state. That's big news for them. Uh, for Gonzaga, you know, there was a lot of hype about Washington and all their high-profile and uh, uh, you know talent that had come in. And uh, that was a huge boost for them, especially after they'd lost their last sort of up game against Michigan. So that was huge for the Zags to get that one. And Xavier Cincinnati, you know, it'll be interesting. I don't know if Travis Steele and John Brennan will get nasty the way we've seen it in other head coaches in that rivalry. But this was a big one for Xavier because they're a team that could compete for the top of their conference. I think Cincinnati thought that, but um, I don't think it'll happen this season for the Bearcats. Let's go to headline number two. We know we haven't lost a game. Obviously, you'd have to be not paying attention. Um, But we don't you know, we don't talk a lot about winning and losing. It's, it's all about uh, the standard that we want to play to. And that was Butler head coach Laval Jordan after they knocked off Florida. The Butler Bulldogs, they are 9-0 and 
as I'm taping this, they've won uh, games this past week against Ole Miss on the road, home Florida. They've got a stat stuffer in Kamar Baldwin. They've got all the pieces that fit. And, I mean, the Big East standings right now look upside down because DePaul and Butler at the top. Uh, They're a contender. They can win the league, um, which is something I don't think any of us thought when we were at Big East Media Day. So great job by Laval Laval Jordan. And this Butler team uh, is the real deal. They're not going away. Much like we saw with, you know, Dayton knocking off St. Mary's, they weren't picked to win the A-10. They can win the A-10 and do much, much more than that. All right, headline number one. Well, Ohio State is good enough to win the Big Ten. This is a good basketball team. And with the win, the Big Ten wins the challenge 8-6. to six. ACC Big Ten Challenge, always one of the best events in the non-conference. Really interesting. There were some extremes this year. Duke goes into Michigan State, wins handily. I really think that's a problem with these teams coming back east off of Maui. Not an excuse, but it's the truth. Um, And Duke looked really good defensively in the second half. They played that game without Cassius Stanley. Real great win for Duke. Virginia had been throttling teams defensively, locking them up. Uh Uh-uh, not Purdue. No Carson Edwards. They had 14 threes against Virginia in a losing effort in the Elite Eight last year. Yet, they make 13 threes in this game, and they make Virginia's offense look just awful, and they beat Virginia. Ohio State, looking like the best team in the country, and Archie Miller told me he thinks they are, head coach in Indiana. They go to North Carolina and destroy them. Uh, Indiana beats Florida State. Another significant game in this. And then Miami which had really been struggling, goes to Illinois and wins. I mean, there was a lot of extremes in the ACC Big Ten Challenge and wins that will help teams uh, that are going to be on that shelf. They're going to stay there. They're not going anywhere throughout the course of this season. And those are your five headlines from college basketball. And now joining me here in March Madness 365, Clay Thompson, here watching his teammate Draymond Green get his name and jersey retired at the Breslin Center. Uh, so first your emotions of that because you've got an honor coming your way in the not-too-distant future at uh, Washington State. What do you think of what you saw from Draymond? Um, I mean, the reception, obviously, amazing. Um, it's so cool to see how beloved he is in the community. And um, just this atmosphere is amazing. What a college basketball. Well, great, what a great place to watch college basketball. So Washington State's going to do the same for you in January. What's that going to mean to you when you see your name in Pullman, Washington, up on the rafters at Washington State? Dream come true. I mean, uh, Pullman was a huge part of my journey. I grew there so much as a person. And uh, I, I forever cherish my time there. You know, I learned, I played with some great players, great coaches, and it's a real-life dream come true. You know, I asked this to Draymond about what college basketball meant for him because, you know, he wasn't one of these guys that was going to come out right away like yourself. When you look back at what that experience was for you and how it shaped your pro career, how did it? Uh, it just just prepared me for what was to come. Um, and uh, I was forced to be a, the, the, the star player, Wazoo. 
So being in Pullman and being a big man on campus, I mean, it was priceless, uh, especially being around all your, you know, peers your age and just be growing as a student. And uh, and um, your time in college, you make relationships that last a lifetime. That's probably the best part for me. Your coach, Tony Bennett, uh, has gone on to even better things since you know you played for him won a national championship at virginia this year his defense is i mean literally historic what they're doing what did you see in tony bennett then that we're all now seeing even more so now uh his ability to teach second to none and um just his passion for the game i mean i thought i was really drawn to tony because of obviously his skill he was a great player and um just his uh he learned so much from his dad too and he has such a toughness about him um he was such a great man to play for and defensively clay before i let you go what is it about the defense that he teaches where teams literally cannot shoot or score against that pack line d baby just super solid he gets the most out of all his guys and um I don't know. It's just been it's been killing college basketball since Dick was doing it at Green Bay. So it's uh it's cool to see the Bennett still have such a huge presence in this sport because they're such great people. Well, congratulations, Clay, on your pending honor. Okay, thank you, Andy. Appreciate it. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Robbie Hummel of the Big Ten Network and ESPN. And Robbie. Uh, Archie Miller told us when we were doing the Indiana-Wisconsin game that he thinks Ohio State may not just be the best team in the Big Ten, but the best team in the country. Um, if that's the case, then the Big Ten's pretty good. What do you think, first of all, about that in terms of where the Buckeyes are, especially after the way they demolished Penn State and won at North Carolina? Yeah, I think when you look at what Ohio State has done on the year and just their whole body of work with taking it to Villanova at home, going on the road and, and winning at North Carolina and the way they've handled business. You have a guy in Caleb Wesson who's arguably one of the best bigs in all of the conference. He's lost 35 pounds. He's looked terrific. Uh, had a big day today. Um, and then you throw the guards around him and, and some of the explosive guards. I, I think DJ Carden's addition is a game changer for them because he gives them someone that they haven't had at the point guard position and a guy that can really push the tempo, something that they haven't had since D'Angelo Russell was there. Um, they, they are an elite team right now. In, in a year where there's not many, I, I don't think there's a dominant team, and I'm not saying Ohio State's going to be that, but – they just have weapons all across the board, and, and we always know with Chris Holman's teams, they are going to guard, and they do that at a high level. So now you've added in the offensive uh, side of the ball, and they're, they're a scary team right now. So I think we could say there are four teams where if any one of the four got to Atlanta, I wouldn't be shocked. Ohio State, Maryland, Michigan, and Michigan State. And then there's, I wouldn't say a drop-off, but then there's a cluster of a whole group of other teams that could finish in any order. I mean, I mean, what do you think of that, that top four where, you know, any one of those four could go on a deep run? I agree with you. I think you look at the top four. We hit on Ohio State. I think Maryland is incredibly talented and incredibly deep. They're, they have young guards, so it will be interesting to see how they progress throughout the season. Uh, Michigan State is an interesting example. If they can get Joshua Langford back, and we don't know if he will play this year. You hope he does. 
Um, they're a team that's been through a ton. And you have to just think with the trip to Maui and the Cassius Winston situation with his brother, um, it's been a tough first month, month and a half for, for Tom Izzo's ball clubs. So you have to think they're going to improve. They always do. It would be shocking if they didn't. Um, they certainly have some things to figure out, but they, they've got a chance, I think, to be very good. Uh, Michigan has been a pleasant surprise, but last night they showcased just how deep they are when Brandon Johns is going for double figures and Austin Davis steps in and gets eight points on a night when John Teske's in foul trouble. I want to say they had six guys in double figures and Austin Davis had eight, so they almost had seven. They, they, they are very deep and they can beat you in a variety of ways. They're experienced, especially at the point guard position, and we know how guard guard play wins in college basketball. So. You have to like those four, and then I agree with you. It's kind of a jumbled mess um, with the next tier of teams where it would be, I, I suppose, Iowa, Purdue, Indiana, Penn State. Um, who am I missing? Maybe Illinois if they get their yeah, act together. Illinois. We don't know about Wisconsin. Right. Illinois, Wisconsin can be thrown in there, especially with the way Wisconsin played today. Um, they looked like a different team from what they had the last week and a half. You saw them in New York, and I watched them against NC State. And today it was like watching a different group of people play on the offensive end of the floor. It was shocking. All right, so around the country, um, just skimming around here. Like in the ACC, I think right now there are only two teams that I could see in Atlanta a month after this, into the season, and those being Louisville and Duke. Um, tell, you know, push back. I mean, I don't know if you agree with that. If you see any others that, that could be in that category. Yeah, I, I think – Florida State is an interesting team, and they, they just lost it at Indiana. They beat Purdue just because of their length, and they're a team that you cannot practice for. Like You can't simulate the pressure that they bring or the length and the athleticism they bring. So I think they're a scary matchup come March. Um, if they can get into a seating where they're in a three or four, I could see them making a run. I think North Carolina is going to be an interesting team to watch. They just They don't shoot the ball great. Um, Cole Anthony is dependent on for so much. Garrison Brooks has been pretty good here to start the year. I, I agree. I, I think that Duke and Louisville are the clear-cut two best teams. Virginia is very limited offensively, as we saw at Purdue um, in the Big Ten ACC Challenge last week. But with Louisville, you have big-time guards, big-time athletes. You have size. You have Jordan Wara, who's one of the best players in the country. Um, they are a team that I would say 100%. They could easily be in Atlanta. And if Duke plays the way they did at Michigan State, they also could be. Now, I, I didn't think that Michigan State brought it in that game. I thought com- they looked out of it. They weren't competitive. Um, they just kind of were going through the motions, and you saw what happens when you do that um, against a team like Duke. Vernon Carey ends up dominating the game. In the Big 12, I see two. I see Kansas and Baylor. Yeah, I, I think Scott Drew has to get credit for the job he's done of – getting that program and, and keeping it at a level where they're consistently an NCAA contender um, in the tournament. Kansas, we saw what they did in Maui. Devon Dotson's an elite point guard. They've got size. Um, I guess the question is, can they handle the basketball? And we saw what happened at the Champions Classic. They turned it over like crazy. So those two teams, to me, stick out. Texas Tech's been a little disappointing, but they turned over like almost everybody other than uh, Moretti. So... It'll be interesting to, to watch that league this year, though, and see if Kansas can establish themselves as the top dog once again. In the Big East, uh, I think there's a lot of good teams. I still think Seton Hall is the one team that could go far. Yeah, just because they have a guy in Miles Powell who can go for 40 on every, any given night. and We saw what Carson Edwards was able to do in the tournament last year and how he was able to really take that group 
and, and he had some other pieces too, just as Miles Powell does as well. Um, I, I would agree that they're a team that can make a run. You wonder about Villanova just because Jay Wright consistently puts out terrific teams. Um, they seem to be a little bit down, still very young. Um, we've seen Marquette kind of be up and down. I think Butler's got a, a nice team. They got a great win today, and they've beaten um, high major opponents. But I, I agree with you in the fact that you say that the Big East seems to be it's, – it's certainly trending upward from last year. Last year, a little bit of a down year, a lot of underclassmen played, and they're going to reap the benefits this year. In the SEC, I thought Florida would be a Final Four team. I'm not buying that now. I saw them in person. They lost to Butler by double figures. Uh, they've already got three losses here in early December. Uh, I still want to wait and see on Kentucky. They look great, obviously, on the first night. They have not looked great since they lost at home to Evansville. I'm going to tell you, if there's one team in the SEC that I could see getting there, it's Auburn. Yeah. I watched Auburn in Brooklyn, and uh, they played great. I know they struggled at home against Furman, but, um, you know, Samir Dowdy's sort of picked up the slack. Austin Wiley's playing great. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if suddenly they're that one team from the SEC and back in the Final Four again. Yeah, Bruce Pearl, he's, he's got it going down there. And a Final Four run last year, and, and you mentioned Samir Dowdy. He's been outstanding. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if Kentucky can kind of get their mojo back. And you, you lose a game at home to, to Evansville against an alumni in Walter McCarty. That, that's that's got to be a tough pill to swallow, whether you're Coach Calipari or, or even Kentucky fans. Um, the good thing is this isn't college football. You, know, you can lose a game like that, and at the end of the day, it, it could not matter. We could see Kentucky in the Final Four. Um, they're certainly more than capable. They're, they're super talented, and, and I think – Coach Calipari does as good a job as anybody at getting his teams to play hard, and and I'm sure they'll figure it out. But I, I agree in the, the sense that right now Auburn looks like a team that may be a surprise team out of the SEC, but as of now they've been the most impressive for sure. In the Pac-12, uh, I actually could see Washington with their length and athleticism in the back line. Oregon, even though they didn't win more than once, I think, down in Atlantis, they're going to get better and better as they get more players, and they're picking up uh, one more here. Uh, Arizona has got phenomenal talent. We'll see if they can put it together. I, I like Colorado's team. I just don't know if they've got that, that next level deep run, but I think there's definitely a collection of teams that could make that run in the pack. Yeah, and you, you get the sense that the Pac-12 has been a little bit down over the last three or four years, and I really like Oregon. You know, They won two games in the Bahamas. Peyton Pritchard is a guy that runs the show for that team. They've got athletes. They've got shooters. Um, they, they changed the way that they'll, they'll guard you. I, I really like the way that they've played, and I thought the way that they came back and dealt with adversity down in the Bahamas where they were down big in multiple games and made runs to to salvage that I thought was impressive. Um, you mentioned Arizona. Zeke Naji has been outstanding. He's led the country in field goal percentage. Um, Nico Mannion is an elite freshman point guard. He's a lot of fun to watch. He's, he's electric. Um, Sean Miller has done a very good job. They won the, the Wooden Legacy. It's going to be a fun year out there. You mentioned Colorado. Um, I think Colorado, Washington, Arizona, um, and Oregon are certainly the cream of the crop of the Pac-12. And outside of that, I'd say Gonzaga and St. Mary's. Yep. Okay, this may be his best team. Jordan Ford is a phenomenal point guard, needs to get more national love. The Zags, as they get healthier, which will need to still happen. Uh, Memphis, um, you know, once James Weissman comes back, we'll see if they can make that run. But, you know, and, and is, there one, is there a one-bid league team? Uh, we'll see. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see uh, if one, uh, you know, if another one uh, exists. But is that a fair assessment like Gonzaga, St. Mary's, Memphis is sort of the others? 
Yeah, I, th- I think so. I, I, I love I saw St. Mary's against Wisconsin on opening night, and I, Jordan Ford was terrific. Wisconsin couldn't guard him. He got in the lane whenever he wanted to. I agree with you in, in the sense that no one really talks about him, especially when we're east or in the Midwest and you're, you're talking West Coast Conference. It's so dominated by Gonzaga, and rightfully so. Gonzaga's a, a terrific team, and they're deep. They've got bigs. They've got shooting. They, they've got a little bit of everything, but... I do agree with you that Jordan Ford's a guy that deserves it. I think with Memphis, they can get it done. They're without Lester Quinones, who broke his hand or his wrist for a couple. I think he's got four or five more weeks where he's out. So that's a big loss without Wiseman. But I, I do like Memphis, and I think that they can be a second weekend team. Thanks, Robbie. Thank you very much, Andy. Andy Katz, that guy will rank his wife's dinners. He'll rank anything. All right, now it's time for Katz Ranks, our 10 surprise teams so far this season. We'll start at number 10. Santa Clara, the Broncos by Herb Sendek. So look, with the Broncos, um, you know, there was a lot of chatter. I was at WCC Media Day. You know, they were a team that had some veterans back, but, you know, everyone wasn't quite sure how they would handle their non-conference, their conference, um, and they're off to a 9-2 and start, which, uh, and they've won all nine games at home, so you got to give them credit. They're putting themselves in position to where they're going to be relevant in the WCC. Herb Sendek has sort of been a little bit, uh, you know, just sort of uh, off the radar a little at Santa Clara. And, you know, he's got his team right now as a team that I think for sure could be a top four contender in the WCC. At number nine, going to go a little 8-10 here for a little bit. George Mason. Last year was supposed to be George Mason's year with uh, Otis Livingston, uh, and they really kind of floundered. Well, the Patriots are 10-1. and 10-1 through 11 non-conference games. Uh, and I don't think they're going to win it because I think Dayton will win the 8-10. I think Richmond's pretty good, and obviously VCU and Rhode Island. VCU should be right up there with Dayton. Davidson, we'll see if they come back. But uh, George Mason, 10-1. They're a surprise. At number eight, staying in the big, excuse me, in the A-10, Duquesne. Like George Mason, Duquesne won a non-conference tournament. And the Dukes are 7-0. and uh, It is a great start for Duquesne. Um, it's a squad that, uh, you know, once again, a little mix of newcomers and vets. Um, you know, Keith Danbrot does a great job, did a great job at Akron. He felt pretty good when I saw him at A-10 Media Day that he was going to have a team that was going to be very competitive. And right now, they're undefeated. One of the few undefeated teams in the country. All right, number seven, Evansville. Now, the Purple Aces did not fall off that Kentucky road win well because they lost some games after that. But the fact they went into Rupp and the fact that they could still be a, a contender in the Missouri Valley Conference, that makes them a surprise team this season. End of discussion. At number six, San Diego State. San Diego State which is ranked this week in the top 25. Um, right now, they're playing the best basketball of any team in the Mountain West Conference. And, uh, you know, Brian Dutcher took over a couple years ago from Steve Fisher. Uh, well, actually, last year. Um, he's got the Aztecs, you know, right now to be a possible NCAA tournament team. They're 10-0. I think they're right there neck and neck with Utah State to win this league, with New Mexico right behind them. But... San Diego State, I think, is surprised that they're playing this well, this early. That road win at BYU, I think, got them really going. 
at number five, Arkansas. So the Razorbacks, led by uh, Eric Musselman, former head coach at Nevada. Um, you know, of all the new coaches in the SEC, uh, you could argue that Arkansas maybe had the most coming back. Uh, but at 8-1, and one, you know, they've got a chance to be an NCAA tournament team. And they've played their schedule well, and I would put them right now as one of the surprise teams in the country. At number four, Stanford. Uh, the Cardinal really almost should have beaten Butler. They are right there to beat Butler in the uh, Hall of Fame tournament in Kansas City. But the fact that Stanford is 8-1 and one and playing very well with a chance to be a possible NCAA team coming out of the uh, Pac-12, I don't think any one of us saw that coming uh, in the preseason. At number three, Butler. The Butler Bulldogs are top the standings at 9-0 and in the Big East and look every bit like a team that could win this league. That is a surprise. That's why they check in at number three. At number two, staying in the Big East, DePaul. Uh, DePaul lost their first game at home to Buffalo over the weekend, knocked off Texas Tech. They've won a couple road games, uh, actually three. And uh, I know Paul Reed and Charlie Moore are playing very well, but the fact that they're 9-1 at this juncture in the season puts them certainly as a surprise. And the number one surprise team so far this season has been Michigan. Look, Michigan had pieces back with Xavier Simpson, John Teske, Isaiah Livers. Recruit Franz Wagner, who was hurt earlier in the season. So they had players that played, you know, deep into the NCAA tournament, played for a national championship. New coach and Juwan Howard. No one knew how good they were going to be. Played a lot of home games at the beginning of the season. Obviously, their win over Creighton now looks better because Creighton's pretty good. But the fact that Michigan won down and won the battle for Atlantis, knocking off Iowa State, beating North Carolina, knocking off Gonzaga, and catapulting the Wolverines to a position where they could win the Big Ten. That's a surprise. And a good one. So, that's your, right now, your top ten surprise teams in the country for your Cats ranks. And now joining me here in March Madness 365, Anthony Cowan Jr. from Maryland. An unbelievable comeback for the Terps on Saturday night against Illinois. They're down 15 late in this game. Anthony finishes with 20, but it's the way the game ended. A three to tie it, a steal, and a free throw to ice at 59-58. Anthony, put in perspective what you guys were able to accomplish with this remarkable comeback against Illinois in your Big Ten opener. Yep. No, we was able to get we was able to get stops down at the end, and that was the, that was the biggest thing. Uh, once we started to do that, the crowd started getting into it. Uh, we started to get out in transition, and that really changed the game. How about your last, the last sort of basically twenty seconds? Um, you are a money player, if you will, a guy that's going to make that big shot when the game's on the line. What did you see uh, in terms of you know that opening to take that three and make it? to tie the game yeah um, I thought we was down by three um coach drop drew up a play we actually ran the play wrong um but I but we, we was able to improvise um I seen I seen the shot clock going down and um I saw the defender didn't really push up so I just shot it um kind of felt good and obviously I was happy with the results all right what about the steal <laughs> uh, I was just I was just to help um I seen their guard driving he kind of lost it a little bit um, so I just dove on it, um, and then luckily uh, the ref called a foul after after I, after I picked the ball up. He kind of grabbed my arm, um, and I was able to hit a free throw. 
What's it like to be in that position? The game's on the line. Everyone's waiting to see if you can convert a free throw to ice a game, to win a game like that. Yeah, you got to love it. Um, as a competitor, that's the type of moments that you that you, that you you live for. Um, especially somebody like me who, who's been, especially on a team with somebody like Melo, who, who's all, who, whose career just hit big shots and, and they was able and was able to close out games. So um, I, I I open that open those type of plays. Or then when it, when the side we need one more shot to win the game, um, I live for those type of moments. Anthony, what's the difference with this team? I mean, you guys had you could argue maybe a little bit more talent at times last season with you know a pro like Bruno Fernando, uh, and yet this team seems better, seems more cohesive. And yeah. clearly looks like a team that could compete for the national championship. Yeah, um, tonight we definitely didn't play our best game, but this team is re- just real resilient. Um, through adversity, we're gonna keep fighting through to the very end. That's I think that's what we showed tonight. Um, our fans really kept us in it. Um, when we were down on things, they was always staying with us and and bringing some noise. So um, I give a lot of this one to the fans. But what specifically do you think is different about this team that makes you believe this is a title contender? Yeah, I mean, we're a little older now. Um, sophomores are now juniors. Our freshmen are now sophomores. And I think a year a year under your belt, um, that really does a lot. Also, our freshmen stepped up. Uh, we brought in a lot of a lot of freshmen that's going to give us toughness to the team. Um, and then when you when you put all those together, you, you, have, a, you have a very good, very good team. It's a recipe for success. And you, you're playing like a first-team All-American right now. I mean, I if the season ended today, I would definitely have you as one of our five All-Americans. How, how did this happen to where you are right now playing as well as anyone in the country? Right. No, I just I know my team needs me to step up, um, and I, I just take on the challenge each and every day. Um, not even not just on not even just on the court, but off the court. Just making sure that that they know we have a goal in mind. Um, we can't let anything we can't let anything set us back to that. You know, we talked in the off season that that game against LSU. I mean, that haunts you. I mean, how how much? For sure, a lot. Um, you know, we knew what was at stake um, to be able to play in the Sweet Sixteen, especially in our backyard, like in, in Washington D.C. Um, and I don't, we, who knows? Who knows what I could have took us? And nobody will ever know. Um, so now all we got to do is just keep moving forward and and just keep and just try putting our best foot forward, trying to win. How much do you love these Big Ten games in December? Love them. Uh, I love them. And there, nobody really has their full identity just yet. Um, everybody just all just a bunch of competitors just fighting, fighting to get a, get a W. So um, you got to love these type of games. These, these are the type of games that everybody wants to play. Now, I know you're not old enough to remember, you know, the championship team, right? Right. Of Maryland? All right. Nah. <laughs> I know you're not old enough for that. So that was back in the early 2000, 2002. Yeah. Uh, this feels like a team that could get back to that. I mean, I'm curious, just those those guys that played, you know, the Juan Dixon types, Lonnie Baxter, um, Stevie Blake, that, that era of Maryland player, how much of a connection have you gotten with those guys when they've come back? Um, whenever they come back, I always try to just pick their brain about Lord things. What did y'all do for during that year y'all run? Um, I remember when Steve Blake came, I was just able to sit and talk to him, get a picture with him. That was big time for me. Um, just, just when you're around Merlin greats, um, you just, you just, you just feel, you just feel it. You, you understand that they, they put blood, sweat and tears and just like how you, how you are. So, um, I always look up to them guys whenever they come back. Uh, I just want to just let, just let it sit down and talk to them and ask, just try to get a recipe for success with it. Cause they obviously have it and they won a national championship. And that's something that me and my team, team is chasing. 
Anthony, I appreciate it. I know we're going to be talking to you throughout the course of the season. You're off to a great start. Keep it going. Yes, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. And now it's our part of our March Madness 365 podcast. We call it March Chadness. Uh, Chad, I, I had a rough ACC Big Ten challenge. What happened in my prediction? Yeah, no doubt. It was an up and down week for you, though. You, you started off zero and five in those Big Ten ACC challenge games, uh, but you did you did Ouch. bounce back. You you rattled off six straight wins after that, and then you missed on your final game uh, of the week with Gonzaga, Washington. Uh, Andy, any any explanation on how you just went zero and five in those Big Ten ACC games? Well, I I, I got a, I was drinking a little bit too much from the Michigan Kool Aid. Louisville had not left the state of Kentucky. I uh, was not factoring in the aspect of coming off one of those uh, non-conference tournaments. Traditionally, the team that's even if it's on this part of the world versus Hawaii, um, you know, teams are a little sluggish, and so I did not put factor that in. I should have with Michigan. That was a mistake. I don't think I was alone thinking that Michigan State could beat Duke at home. Michigan State was awful. Uh, as you and I both saw in the second half in that game against Duke. So that was a big whiff. Uh, Purdue had not shown uh, a, a consistency offensively, even though they would play pretty well down in Florida. They split two games down there. Virginia had locked teams up, and I know Maine is not Purdue, but uh, they only gave up 26 points uh, to Maine. So their defense completely collapsed in that game. They gave up 13 threes to Purdue. So those are the three that I definitely would like to have back when I, if I were to really think about it. And then, you know, I wasn't all in on Indiana yet, and now I'm still kind of questioning where they are because I saw them against Wisconsin, and they weren't good at all. I mean, they allowed Wisconsin to get up by 30. That's a Badger team that's really been struggling. And so I thought Florida State would go in there and win. So I took some chances with road teams. I played it safe on the back end of the week, uh, and then figured that Washington would be able to hold serve in this rivalry, and they almost did. But Gonzaga's interior uh, was able to really outshine, I thought, uh, you know, a, a, an athletic, maybe more NBA-bound uh, front court of Washington. And then the big surprise for Gonzaga on Sunday, pleasantly, has been the play and was the play of Joel uh, Ayayi, who is from France, who's been in the program a couple of years, and is really now he's starting to shine. Uh, and he teamed up with Killian Tilly, a, fr- a fellow Frenchman, countryman, and uh, the, the two that really keyed uh, the Zags to that win over Washington. Yeah, it was a good bounce-back weekend for you. Uh, but let's go ahead and turn our attention to this week, Andy. Uh, you know, let's start this off Tuesday night, December 10th. We've got Texas Tech and number 1 Louisville. Andy, the Red Raiders, they've lost three in a row, uh, but this is easily going to be their toughest test yet. Uh, Andy, you'll be on site to see these uh, see these games with the Jimmy V Classic. Uh, can it, is Texas Tech going to bounce back? Like, What do we think here? Boy, I'll tell you, Texas Tech needs to bounce back, uh, especially with the way that they played against DePaul, not able to close out that game. In Chicago, you know the problem with Texas Tech. I, I might be willing to go with an upset here, uh, although you know to pick against Louisville twice here in a week would probably be uh, foolish. But I, I don't know that the, the situation with um, Jamias Ramsey. I mean, he's their best scorer, uh, and he did not play in that DePaul game. So, you know, if he's not 100, percent there's no way I'm picking Texas Tech. Uh, even though I'm not saying they can't win because Louisville certainly, you know, has been on such a high, and all these teams seem to be crashing at one point or another. So I'm going to go with Louisville. I'm going to play it safe, going with the number one team in the country right now to beat a Texas Tech team that really desperately needs a 
high-profile non-conference win. Yeah, it's the safe pick, but I think it's also the correct pick. Texas Tech just seems like they don't have any confidence without Ramsey on the floor right now. Uh, but the second game in that Jimmy V Classic, Andy, is is two programs with two pretty good fan bases, Indiana and UConn. You've seen UConn in person, and you just saw Indiana in person. Uh, which team you know, takes that nightcap? I think this is an incredibly tough pick. Uh, UConn obviously will have the home court. UConn does a great job of packing the garden. It's the later game. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, I've got a feeling that Indiana's going to bounce back. Um, what we saw against Wisconsin, I think, was a first road game for a team that had not been away from home. Uh, they got that ACC Big Ten Challenge game at home with Florida State. And they've got a lot of young players or players that not necessarily have been, you know, in the program with uh, some transfers. So, uh, you know, I just have a feeling that Indiana is going to play much better, play more defensively the way they did against Florida State, which is a tough team to prepare for. So I'm going with the Hoosiers in Madison Square Garden to bounce back from the disastrous performance they had against Wisconsin. All right, and that's sticking with that same night, we got a Big Ten matchup, Andy. Number four, Maryland at Penn State. Uh, Maryland's coming off that emotional comeback win against Illinois. Uh, and then Penn State, uh, they gave up 106 to Ohio State. But, new game. Can Penn State right the ship at home? I think they can. Uh, I love this Maryland team, but they shouldn't have won that game. That was Illinois' fault, essentially. Illinois just handed that game back uh, to Maryland. Uh, Penn State lost Lamar Stevens, their best player, with almost 12 minutes left to go in that Ohio State game. I mean, he picked up his fifth foul. I don't know if I remember seeing a team with its best player gone for almost the entire second half due to fouls. So uh, I I think this is a must-win for Penn State to go one-and-one in the Big Ten. Um, They've missed out on a couple opportunities. We know how they gave away that Ole Miss game after uh, building a lead and and then just totally handling it away in the second half. I think Penn State pulls off the upset at home. I like that pick, too. And Speaking of that Ole Miss game, after they lost that game, they did bounce back with a huge, what, 20-point win uh, in their next game. So I think they could bounce back here again, too. Uh, that same night, 9 o'clock, Andy, we've got a Butler team that you've got as your number three most surprising team uh, on the catch ranks. They're facing a number 11 Baylor squad uh, as they'll try to hand Butler their first loss. But who you got in this one? Look, I think Butler's playing great, and that was a huge win over Florida, but Baylor is not just a Big 12 title contender. They're a team that could get to the Final Four. And Jared Butler's playing as well as any guard in the country. Um, I think this will be a close game because Kamar Baldwin will make sure it's close, but I like Baylor at home in Waco. Okay, moving along to Wednesday. Uh, It's number 5 Michigan at Illinois. We just touched on that Illinois heartbreaker. and Andy, I have a feeling the Champagne crowd is going to be just incredibly rowdy. Uh, it's going to be a really hostile and vibrant for Michigan to play. But who comes out on top? So uh, you know, I hate to say a must win in the middle of December, but Illinois absolutely, positively has to win this game. Why? Because they've let multiple chances slip away. Um, I, I say that. I mean, I watched that Arizona game. They were right there toe-to-toe with Arizona at the half. Tough place I know, to play, I know. And then they collapsed down the stretch. They should have beaten Maryland. That would have been a monster road win for the Illini. They cannot allow this opportunity to slip by. They've got to beat Michigan at home. I think Brad Underwood's going to have this guy, his guys absolutely jacked up 
for this game. I think the Illini get the Wolverines. All right, and then now Thursday, Andy, we've got a big in-state rivalry matchup in the Seahawks series. You've got uh, Iowa State hosting Iowa. Uh, we saw Iowa State, you know, coming off that massive uh, W over Seton Hall. Uh, are we going to see some more Hilton magic for the Cyclones, Andy? We are. I did this game last season uh, in um, in Iowa City. It's a physical game, um, but you got to come down to who has the best player on the floor, as well as Luca Garza has been playing for Iowa. Tyrese Halliburton, I don't think, has a match on the other side. I think he will dominate that position for the Cyclones. They're feeling very confident after knocking off Seton Hall Sunday night. I go with Iowa State at home. Yeah, I agree with that pick. Another rivalry matchup, though, this time Saturday. It's a rivalry renewed with Syracuse and Georgetown. It's the old school Big East rivals that are going to, uh, you know, face off on Saturday. Uh, Mac McClung and his Hoyas, you know, they've been they've been hot despite the adversity. Can they get a third straight win here? I think they can. I'll be on site for that game. Uh, I, I think basically they saved their season last week uh, by winning at Oklahoma State, at SMU. Uh, you know, Syracuse played great at Georgia Tech, but that's a little bit more of an outlier. They have not been able to be consistently good and consistently shoot the ball as well. So I, I like Georgetown in a game that I think will be very physical. It could be a little bit more old school, but uh, I'm going to go with the Hoyas at home. And then we've got three more just loaded matchups on Saturday, Andy. Let's start off with uh, the, the 2017 Sweet 16 rematch uh, with number 10, Oregon, and number 5, Michigan. Who you got? Boy, I'll tell you, Oregon has played great this season despite not being able to, to run through the table, essentially. Um, but, you know, it's one of these things, like, these teams, none of them are dominant enough to, I don't think, run off, you know, six, seven games in a row where they're beating high-profile high teams. But they're on the flip side. I think they're good enough not to lose two in a row. And so I would say that I think Michigan will end up you know, winning this game in Ann Arbor. All right, so you got Michigan getting revenge from that Sweet 16 game. Uh, a little bit later in the afternoon, Andy, it's, it's, it's East versus West for bragging rights in the state of Tennessee. Uh, number 13, Memphis, and number 19, Tennessee. Uh, can Memphis get the job done on the road without Wiseman? Uh, they can they? Yes. Will they? No. And in large part, I think because, you know, Penny Hardaway has certainly fueled this rivalry. There's no question about it. He has made this uh, something that, you know, uh, I love it. I mean, I mean, he's made it much more of an intense affair between the two schools. And I, I think that, you know, Rick Barnes is going to have his crew jacked up for this. I definitely like Tennessee, uh, and I still may. I, I think I would have made this pick regardless, even if uh, Weissman were were playing and weren't suspended. I think I still might have gone with this, but right now, I'm going with Tennessee. Yeah, I think the Vols are going to going to pack Thompson Bowling Arena. It's one of the largest arenas in the country, so it's going to be it's going to be really loud uh, for Memphis to try to talk out there. Uh, and then Andy later that night. You've got number six Gonzaga at number fifteen Arizona. Uh, after that win over Washington, uh, that was Gonzaga's seventh straight against Pac-12 opponents. Uh, can Arizona snap that streak? Can they? Yes. <laughs> Will they? Um, you know, th- this is a really tough one, Chad, because uh, you know Arizona and-, and Gonzaga. I think you could argue have uh, two of the most talented rosters. You know, maybe with Washington uh, on the West Coast. Um, you know, Nico Mannion certainly has the advantage 
against Gonzaga's guards in terms of his overall talent. But the guards are experienced with the Zags. I like the physicality of Gonzaga. I think they're going to feel so confident that they uh, went into Seattle and won that game in a hostile environment. So this is back-to-back hostile environments. Um, I don't know. I just have a feeling right now that uh, they can go in and get this game. And and so I'm going to go with the Zags to win at McHale, which is arguably one of the toughest places to to play in America. So uh, I'm going to go with Gonzaga here. I'm going to take a little bit. I don't think it's a gamble because they're higher ranked, but you know, Arizona at home is an incredibly tough out when they've got talent like they have right now. Yeah, I think it's a little bit harder to win at the McHale Center for sure. So I kind of think Nico's just going to have that crowd going, Andy. But uh, we'll see how you do. We gave you 10 games this week. Uh, hopefully you don't have that sluggish start and have to rebound late. Uh, but we'll, we'll revisit this next week, Andy. Yeah, no, this is great. And this this, this pool of games, Chad, as you know, um, we're going to have you know a couple other sort of pop-up non-conference days, if you will. But uh, really, December 14th is, is probably one of the best um, non-conference dates. I mean, the 21st is actually pretty good, too, and we're going to talk about that, obviously, next week where we got the Kansas-Villanova game. Um, you know, that, that might be maybe the premier game on that day, but there's going to be plenty of other games. But, uh, you know, what I love about this is a lot of these teams are going out and playing people. They're home and homes. A lot of these conferences doing these challenges to enforce that they're – they're doing the home and homes as well. So, uh, you know, and I love the engagement here. Uh, <laughs> and I think that you and I would both agree that this, this bracket's going to be incredibly difficult to project. So we'll get a lot of flack come March when we miss out on certain teams. But uh, this is not a year where someone's going to, you know, have some perfect bracket, I don't think, by the second weekend. There's going to be a lot of seed upsets, you know, this March because we're already seeing it this season. So anyway, Chad, I appreciate it. I love the pushback. Uh, our listeners out there, you know, track how we're doing on the picks. Uh, great interviews again as well. Thank you to Clay Thompson taking the time. We were out in East Lansing. Uh, Anthony Cowan after he hit that three-pointer for Maryland in that comeback against Illinois. Uh, my good friend Robbie Hummel breaking down uh, how he saw the Big Ten and, you know, his Fourier into USA basketball trying to be an Olympian this summer. So a lot of good stuff on March Madness 365. As always, you can check out our podcast uh, wherever you download your podcast on uh, March Madness and our NCAA.com social media handles. Thanks, Chad, and thanks, everyone, for listening.